podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Level five. <laughs> I was going to sing, but all your faces were so serious. So it, <laughs> it is level five, the day of level five announcements. Um, it is the day trippers. Um, everything just seems so bad at the moment, but we'll, we, 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 this won't last for long. Andy will put this right very shortly tonight. It's Ray, your host. And with me, I've got Andy Young. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, well, kind of, as, as well as can be expected. Yeah, bad enough. Um, we've got Phil Casey. How's it going, Phil? I'm fucking angry, Ray, to be totally frank, right? I'm not messing around tonight. This is I've I've never been angrier. I've basically spent the weekend being the incredible Hulk. I've been green with anger mm. since since Saturday morning, right? Mm. Even before the match happened. But I'm angry. I'm angry like not only do I have football I hate at this at this point in time, I hate the government, I hate this country. I hate what we've become. I hate that we've no cogent strategy for living with a fucking pandemic after eight months of being thing, and I'm dealt with fucking Muppets going on tonight with the same bullshit, and they're going to have us back in a lockdown by the time we get to fucking the end of January. They're already saying this. Those gobshites are standing up on stage trying to be fucking presidential. Go ask me bollocks. Go ask me ask. Go ask me bollocks. He's have lost the plot, and he's have lost the fucking ability to govern in this country. Fuck off. And That's as for so- you, are an FA... And then the rest of them, they can all fuck off too. Yeah, but look on the bright side, Phil. Christmas is on. Christmas is on. Right. Before Christmas, right? Before Christmas. <laughs> Phil, we'll move on to uh, Pete in sunny Barcelona. How are you doing, Pete? The same as Philip Casey, except in Spanish. It's the in same Spanish. mess over here, except we're not quite locked down. Um, they've they've locked us down. We're not allowed. The pubs and bar, pubs, bars and restaurants are closed. Everything else is still on. So there's no logic, no order. Welcome to the madness, but in yeah. Spanish. Yeah, very good. Right, so tonight we're going to cover a few areas. As usual, we'll cover four topics. The first being um, we'll take some time on VAR because it would be rude not to. Um, we will then go on to um, success. What what does success for Liverpool look like this season now after the events and the uh, catastrophe of losing Van Dijk for the season uh, and Alisson still out? Um I'd like to touch on that in a, in a wider sense and the fact that this league is starting to look bang average uh, right now. Uh, and I'd say a pretty low points total will be enough. Um, and then uh, Pete wants to get into some of the 
potential defensive reshuffles that we're going to need to see to navigate our way through uh, at least till January uh, through this pandemic and through this catastrophe that is the absence of Van Dyke. So um, before we get before we start going down the, the, the rabbit hole too much, um, we've had one presidential um, start as a going to continue. Forget Fair this. Play, Phil. Going luck. with just to prove that he does live in America, he's on the Celta. Um, so um, we've, we've had one presidential style announcement tonight. We're going to have another. Um, we are going to hear a speech um, from <laughs> Andy Young. Um, he's been allowed five minutes um, to, to address the top Reds nation um, and the extended LFC family um, because I think. Quite frankly, we all need it after what happened on Saturday um, and into Sunday with some of the kind of shite that we've read uh, and the repercussions or the non-repercussions for for people who were involved in all of that stuff on Saturday. So, Andy, the platform is yours. Your audience (laughs) is waiting with bated breath. (laughs) Dear Dwight, this my loan, my wallet. (laughs) Ah, no, look. Topless red, uh, biggest super red going, but we're all pissed off. I don't know whether he's watched the uh, the lads last night, the A team. I'm sure we all did. And in the comments, yeah. I want I want to see what the lads thought in the comments. But I, I think Sean he put it very well. I don't think I put put a uh, better myself possibly. Who better than Jurgen Klopp now? to have with a situation like we have with Van Dijk. Um, he's not going to be going into the dressing room and telling the players the season's over. If anything, he's going to be using this as an extra motivation. Jurgen Klopp has managed to, to against any adversities that's ever faces, we've always managed. No matter what, against Barcelona, where we know Salah and Mane, we've always managed. We've always managed to do the business. Um Someone pointed out a thing there uh, to me, maybe I'm clutching our straws, but I thought it was an interesting theory, the, the Ewing theory. Have you ever heard of the Ewing theory? No. It depends on which Ewing you're talking about. JR or Bobby? Exactly. If it's Bobby okay. Ewing, I hope that we all wake up soon and it's all a dream. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's Patrick Ewing. And basically, uh, the, the premise of this theory is that when a team loses their star player. If that's that means like that they're sold, um, or they've been they've been injured, and people write the team off. Yeah. There's a reaction from uh, from the rest of the team. The team feel like they've something to prove. You've got you've got players like Joe Gomez who people are doubting now. Not looking at anyone in particular, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you've got people um, that don't matter. Um, it's it's funny how. These small injuries tend to go away when when a player um, has a hunger to stay on the pitch and prove himself. Mm. I'm not saying that these injuries are fake, but players, for, for professional footballer players, players seem to able to raise uh, the game or find um, an extra an extra level somewhere within them when they need to. We might spend time this year with Henderson having to play a centre back, uh, Thiago. When Alden, it's going to probably happen. But if we can keep Matip and Gomez fit, we're not going to be too bad. You know what I mean? Klopp always finds a way. If that's a system change, and I know we're going to get onto it later, Pete. Um, if that's a system change or uh, just a different defensive approach, sitting back a bit deeper, so be it. 
It's very early days. It's a mad season. I don't look at any team that started off well like Everton or uh, Villa yeah. uh, and say that they're going they're better than Liverpool. Who's the you know threat, what I mean? Andy? Who's the threat? We'll get on to, <laughs> I, I, would, I would still say it's City. And yeah. the only concern I would have about City is that maybe this might be an extra motivator for them. Mm. But Klopp will have this boxed off. All right, Klopp will be telling the players to do it for Virgil, all them lovely words. But the players have his ear, and Virgil will be there throughout the, around the training ground to carry out his uh, rehab. He'll be, become part of the coaching staff, I'm sure of it. He's going to be there. Th- this team have come a long way since Virgil and Allison just patched things up and made us go from an 80-point team to a 99-point team. The team have developed as well. And it's a it's it does a massive disservice to players like Trent, Robbo, Allison, Thiago, Fabino, Henderson, uh, Keita, Bobby, Salamane, all of these great players. It's such a disservice to tell that where our season's written off. Now I don't know how many people are out there saying that the season's written off, but I, but I felt it in WhatsApp it groups, mm. in WhatsApp groups, and in uh, across Twitter, I felt it. It's. I don't know how much of a representation the fan base it is, but this season isn't fucking over. This season is just beginning. This Klopp area is just beginning. We've won a first league title, and we're gonna we're gonna win the league again. I'm fucking Mark rewards. We're gonna win the league again if the what season the finishes. What, what? Was the top, what's the top? What's this topic again? Oh no, this was Andy's fight. This was Andy's pep talk for all. Mate, that was all the president. That was the president. Have respect for the president. Look, it's the president <laughs> of the association great of LFC teams. Day Trippers. It's talking as much fucking sense as Michal Michal Martin. Great, <laughs> great teams, great teams have uh, lost big players like uh, with great managers like United with with Kane. Um, it's happened. He had long layoffs. We're going to have Virgil out for the for pretty much the whole season, but we have fucking plenty of quality. So uh, we we'll, we'll always score more than the opposition. We're well able. Okay, can I just interject on this ridiculousness that the, it's, the, it's the, the fourth most ridiculous thing I've heard all day today? To think that we can just go this season and not lo- and not have any impact without VVD. Look, the, I didn't the say fact, there was no impact. Sorry, Andy, but the fact is, we were a top four side until we signed Van Dijk, right? And we went from toward fourth to challenging for the league. And we haven't bought another defender of his quality into that back four in any way, shape, or form. I know this is, this is Pete's thing, but just on that, right? We cannot be that naive to think that if we lose Van Dijk for a season, that suddenly we can just be as good as we always were and we can roll on and the thing is. The issue that we have is that Van Dijk gives us 10 to 15 points a season. And we, if we were always wondering about how, do we, how are we going to drop that many points that we aren't challenging for the league, now we're at that point. Now we go from a 97-point season, realistically, to an 82-point season. And an 82-point season is still more than two points per game. Like, this is what we're talking about. This is where mm. City went from 98 points the previous year to 82 points last year, having lost the port for the best part of half a season. And he came back towards March. So, uh, like, we can't be naive about this. And the other issue is our replacements and our backups to Van Dyke. Matip, man, I could wet some kitchen roll here and that would last longer than Matip will over the course of a season. And that then brings us into the final bit that essentially by going into this season, with three centre-backs and one notoriously injury-prone, we had a significant, significant, significant weakness in this squad. Of all the places that we had, we had a significant weakness in the squad, which was centre-back. And I said it on this over the summertime. 
I said we needed to sign a centre back to replace Lovren. I didn't. I wasn't saying that we had to re- someone to replace Van Dijk, but ideally, I felt we needed somebody that was as good, if not better, than Matip or Gomez, and then they become your third and fourth choice. To be real, in reality, Matip is the is is the number two centre back, but because of his injuries, he really is a number four centre back, and you need another centre back in there to challenge with Gomez and be Van Dijk's partner. But now we're at a now we're in a situation where. We are trying to figure out how do we go back to super attack and outscore all the yeah. opponents. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, we have a what we need at this point is. And Ray, you, you can take it on to if you want into my topic because it probably runs into right, in, in terms of what it is. But what we have now at this stage is we've gone from what we believe would be a potential champion championship winning side to a team that is losing its spine. It's lost the spine of its thing. We have Firmino who can't score in a brothel with 10 uh, black American Express cards hanging out as, as jocks, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have um, Van Dyke is gone and Allison is gone until at, at least the end of the month, right? So we, we're missing. If you if you look at what's going on here, this is the spine of a team that's been irreplaceable for two seasons. And now we have to play without, with, with those jigsaw pieces missing or to find those jigsaw pieces. So suddenly Klopp has gone from, here is my jigsaw, this beautiful jigsaw that I have on the wall here. It's, it's perfect. It's done. Everything fits and it's all grand. And this is why we're able to defend and attack and move around and challenge the Champions Leagues. And now we're in a situation where all those pieces have fallen off and we're looking at going, is that a tree? Is it a frozen picture? Is it a sunset? Is it an Anfield? What is it? And this is where you can't turn around and say losing Van Dyke is not a big impact on us. Van Dyke is a fantastic, fantastic, once in a generation level player. And that's where you can't just go, we put Gomez and Matip in and everything will be all right. It will be all right for 60% of the games. But to win a league, you have to be all right for 85 to 90% of the games. Who, so, who, Phil, who we, else, we've... Well, we're going to talk about Labour. Who else is, who else is going to be better, uh, better for 80% of the games? Yeah, we will. No, we'll come back. We, we, you've got a point, Andy. We'll come back on to we, we, We've sort of drifted into Phil's uh, topic. He's kind of jumped the queue there with his topic. So it sounds it's it sounds like, Phil, that what you're saying is uh, we've got to expect a significant drop off, which is fair enough. We'll get on yeah. to the defensive reshuffle um, a bit later on uh, when we get on to Pete's topic. But one thing I would argue, Megan McKay made the point there up on the chat there a little while ago. The one thing we have got different to what we would have had when we were trying to outscore the opposition was, um, and we may still have to cope with it for the next two or three games, but we will have a world-class goalkeeper. So say, for instance, we had a drop-off down to the low 80s because we've lost the heartbeat and the spine. I get your whole point about Firmino as well. What what does what does in your view what does Allison potentially bring us back up to? Can, can we can we still win this league as long as we keep Allison in goal for the balance of the season when he comes back? Do we still have can we can we paper over those cracks if we've got a goalkeeper there who's world class? We might actually see a bit more of him, Phil, because for some games we've seen barely any of them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and this is why I brought the thing. I wanted to know what does success look like this season when you've lost the, the one of the best players in the world, if not and the best defender in the world by a long shot. Right? This is like losing Barcelona losing Messi right now for the rest of the season. Right? Or losing Messi four or five seasons ago when he was in his peak form, and that's what it was. So for me, Allison now. We, we talked about how much Allison brought to this side. He changed the team from being an eighty-five, eighty-six point team to being in the nineties. 
because he stops making those stupid mistakes that Adrian does. He stops making the stupid mistakes that Minilay does. And in the big moments, he comes up with huge, massive saves. We need Allison to come back and perform at the level he was performing, not in the second half of last season after he picked up his injury and came back after the spell. I remember he missed the first 10 games of the season and came back. We need Addison to come back in the form that got us to the Champions League final the year before that. That belief form. And I think, mm. to be fair, going to go, and I can start to buy in a wee bit to Andy's point. I, I, I totally believe that, that performance levels in this four, next 10 games come up a level because they're all playing for Van Dijk and that's fresh in their memories and they're all playing. What happens is the, the novelty wear of that wears off and you need to make sure that you're on the run of games to make sure that you can maintain this, right? But if we can get Alisson back within the next two to three games and we can just soldier through the next two to three games and pick up six points, six, nine points in the next three games, right? And we get Alisson back in there, it gives a huge, what it will do is it will give a huge lift to the team. It'll give a mm. huge lift to those players and it will give them that sense that they've got some sort of reinforcement that they don't have at this moment in time. The, so the drop-off in points to me is still, is maybe not 15 to 17 points from where we were last season. It's more likely to be maybe 10 points, which takes us, points. takes us to 87 points. And honestly, mm. honestly, if we finish with eighty-seven points, I don't. I don't. I believe that only one team will finish and potentially could finish in the ninety points this this season. And if that's the case, we're going to be there thereabouts come the end of the season. But it's going to rely on us not having any other major injuries. And you just wonder the way we play and the way the the sort of performance levels that we have. You know, muscular injuries. We've got Henderson who's getting a bit older. You've got um, Thiago who took a heavy knock in that Everton game as well. So what does that look like? Like. I, I don't even want to be talking about top four. I want to be challenging. I think we can challenge for the title. But where I thought before we would be fairly safe in terms of breaking the 90-point barrier with Van Dijk there, I don't see us breaking the 90-point barrier this year. Just on... You would hope, and that, that leads us into them, Man City on the 7th of November. You would, you know, if we have to stick with Adrian, and we've got Champions League games around that around those league games, but... Two home, two very winnable home games where we should be absolutely dominant, where we should have enough in other areas of the pitch to be able to win those games comfortably, even if we leak one or two goals through some sloppy defensive play and maybe a goalkeeper error here and there. If we get through those next two games with six points, we get on to Man City, we've got Allison, we maybe have established a bit of a rhythm, some kind of a partnership at the back. Do, 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 do you think we, we can start to feel... Like this isn't necessarily going to be sort of doomsday for us because, to be honest, I thought we I thought we were still far superior in that game even when Van Dyke went off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, the the ship needs to be steadied. We need we need to get result against Ajax and we need to win our next two league games. That'll set us up lovely for Allison coming back and playing City. Absolutely, City's still going to be considered a massive, massive game and, and our biggest rivals this year. If we want to win the league, um. We got the response we needed against Everton. The game didn't go away for various reasons. We should get onto it as well. But we, it was a really, really good performance. If we had won that game, we would have been singing the praises of Thiago and Henderson in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the midfield, the midfield against Villa was pathetic. Um, it didn't screen. It didn't defend with that with our back four as a unit at all. It didn't press. It didn't do anything efficiently like the midfield non-use. But against Everton, it was back. And it was it was quality, um. So we just need to see a response now from uh, the Van Dijk injury. 
we got a response against Everton after a shit show against Villa. We'll mm. get a response for, for uh, Van Dijk. And then, then it's just all about steadying the ship. And, you know, I'm, I'm as positive as it can be. We could be, we could play 10 games and wonder what we're missing at all. You know? Yeah. yeah. Pete, uh, just on, just on uh, a couple of specific things around this. So, first of all, you know, going back to Phil's point about outscoring teams, we need Mane, we need Salah. We do need Bobby to step up, but... Um, it was encouraging on Saturday to see how razor sharp Mane was after his um, enforced absence, and 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 even Salah, you know, with that with that worldie that he scored, um, the the front three and being able to consistently put our chances away are going to be more crucial than ever now, aren't they? With the inevitability of keeping less clean sheets. I think, if I'm honest with you, we've always relied on the front three. Anyway, we we nitpick about Bobby, and let's face it, I don't care. You know what? If you are the system, you know as the as the myth lays out, you need to. If you're wearing that number nine jersey in your back, you need to weigh in with goals. But Salah and Mane are pu- pulling up trees. Um, I think I just don't think there's any any need to panic, and we'll talk about the defensive issue and restructure later on. I don't think there's any need to panic at all. Last season we were absolutely miles a chasm ahead of anybody else. This season mm. we may not be that chasm. We just have to be competent. This is a very I know you've touched on earlier on. It's a very average league. Mm. Uh, let's not get carried away. You've got Aston Villa at the top of it. You've got Everton <laughs> by virtue of the fact. Um, that they've played absolutely no one at the mm. top of it. And Liverpool exposed Everton, really, I thought, massively uh, this weekend for what they mm. really are. I mean, yeah. Carlo An- Ancelotti is is an Italian Joe Royal, to be quite honest with you. You know, they've got... Alan was bypassed for 90 minutes. Mm. These are players that are supposed to be coming to the Premier League. You know, people are talking about James Rodriguez. But James Rodriguez is nothing but a cheat. Mm. And he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a show pony. This, this league, again... Everything outside of Liverpool and 75% of what Manchester City has is average in this mm. league. No need to panic. We'll talk about the back four a little bit later on. I understand. I take Phil's point. Virgil van Dijk is on a different, not planet, not solar system, a different universe to mm. everything that's available. That's Virgil van Dijk. You know, we'll talk about it, you know, in terms of what I believe that Liverpool will do in terms of Fabinho. I mean, you know, because you cannot have that triumvirate. Let's be honest. Let's talk about it. You can't have um, Matip, you can't have Gomez, and you can't have Adrian as that triumvirate. You just can't. <laughs> you can't. If you're if you're going to be credible, and maybe expect, for Sheffield United you know, not, and West Ham, no, maybe for those. Not, two not games. even. Not even. Not. I would fancy Billy Sharp. I would fancy Billy Sharp in and amongst <laughs> amongst that triumvirate. To be quite honest, you can't have, and and you won't see that triumvirate. And somebody, I think Megan made the point earlier on. You'll probably see Fabinho there. For me, that's the answer. But let's talk about it earlier on. Listen, Liverpool, yeah, yeah. my point now is Liverpool are miles last year. Miles and miles ahead of everybody. Now we just need to be that little bit ahead. Keep everything calm. And I think what Andy said earlier on in terms of Virgil van Dijk. Oh. Oh, he, <laughs> he doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't have to say a word. I think I froze there. He just has to hang up. No way. There's like there's a, a couple of new, a couple of the newspaper clippings. You know, a couple of the lads that have been writing us off over the. Just hang them in the dressing room. The rest will take care of itself. Competence will take care of itself. To be honest, with Liverpool, yeah, we'll be fine. I think. I think. I think they should. 
get a cardboard cut out of, you know, life-size cardboard cut out of Virgin, just put it in a spot in the dressing room for every game. Yeah. See that, Joe Gomez, that's what you'll never be. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Phil, let's just close down your kind of what, what success will look like. Would you, um, uh, obviously we're already out of the League Cup, uh, I presume, again, been the FA Cup. Um, do, do, do you think we have to almost kind of choose whether we go after the league or the Champions League? Or do you think it's realistic that we still try and, you know, navigate both of these competitions? Right. If you ever ask me, should we be in off the FA Cup again? I'll come up to your house and I will find you. <laughs> and I will kill you. We should never even put a team into the FA Cup. We shouldn't even we shouldn't even shouldn't enter that competition. We should just tell them to fuck off, right? And that's the end of it. Never ever the League Cup. We should only play the under 11s in that in that thing. I enjoy the kids. Let them out to play. It's enjoyable to watch. Give all those young fellas a thing. FA Cup. Nah, never want to see it again. Never ever want to see the FA Cup again. I don't even want to see it on the television. I hope it falls apart. I hope it never nobody ever plays it again, right? So, um, so we, our focus should be the league and the Champions League. And the Champions League for me is such a special competition it's the competition that i love watching love seeing us involved in this the finals are so special europe just liverpool in europe is just that unique thing that we have that no other english team has anything like us about it nobody has the heritage nobody has anything like that so in reality, the Champions League, I'd like to take it serious, but I don't believe we'll be playing. I don't think by the time we get to February, we'll be playing any Champions League games. I, don't, I think that don't, this yeah. Champions League, yeah. I think this Champions League is doomed to failure. So in my yeah. mind, it's Every the first thing that will go. Yeah, I, I honestly do. Because what happened but international is, football didn't, you know, there doesn't seem to be any common sense to this. But Pete, mm. what's going to happen now is if you look, your, Italy has gone into higher state of, of restrictions that are gone in there. Right? They've banned all amateur sport. Only Germ- Germany is the only country in all of Europe at this moment of time that's managing to get, I'm sorry, Denmark, that's getting crowds back into games and managing to keep it going and not seeing uh, an exacerbation in cases because they're the only countries that have a proper tracing system in place at this point in time. Ultimately, a country is going to ban a team from flying into it in the same way it happened in the last round of Champions Leagues when this whole thing broke down when Roma couldn't fly into Spain. And that mm. ended the Champions League. The same thing is going mm. to happen. There's going to be that some country is going to prevent an English team flying into them because England are the carrying of COVID in, in global terms at this stage. Mm. So I would that's, to me, that's where this thing ends up. And for that reason, our focus really should be on the domestic league because this is such mm. a fucked up season. This is, well, when you say to me, what does success look like? We could get 75 points and win the league. It's yeah. such fucked up season it's so it's, unpredictable it's so unpredictable nobody knows what's going to happen you've got one week you've got City losing I looked at the table and I was like hang on a second we've had two shit results and City are still miles miles of points behind us United are in Division 3 or something at the moment in terms of what they are and they won a game and they were celebrating like they'd won the World Cup mm. like then you look at the top of the league and you've got Aston Villa and you've got Everton they think they're in 1986 right mm. so it's like it's just bizarre and in the same way that bizarre league that Leicester won, something mad could happen. Burnley could win the league. I heard they played a match sometime at the weekend. I've no idea what happened in it. Like, I, mm. Honestly, you look at Spurs. Spurs at the weekend. winning. They're winning. They're winning the league. Everyone is Harry Kane and Son and Gareth Bale and they're giving them the trophy. By the time it finished, Mourinho's getting sacked and <laughs> Mourinho's coming back. All right? Yeah, so, like, well, that's Twitter. Yeah. No, but th- this is what I'm saying, Pete. This, this league is all over the place. And the only thing that really goes for us is that all defences in this league are shit. 
Yeah, mm. yeah. The, the, mm. Honestly, at the best defence in this league will probably win the league because no team can defend at this moment in time. You look at it, United's thing, hairy head, um, random fella, uh, cornflakes mm. packet per, player, mm. person. You look at Arsenal, load of random fellas. Nobody knows. Even the Arsenal fans don't know who they, who they have as defenders. Um, mm. City, load of fellas jumped up on peds, running around the pitch, can't defend, save their life. Guardiola doesn't know how to defend. Chelsea. Chelsea, they sign all the players. They have the worst manager in Europe. Doesn't really make a blind bit of difference. Right? I, actually, if I think if Chelsea sacked Lampard tomorrow and put Pochettino in, they'd probably win the league on a counter. That's uh, that's my own genuine opinion. I think he would go in and fundamentally change that team and make them so dangerous to play with, right? But I look, well, I look Frank Lampard is managing like he's playing a video game, you know? He hasn't a clue. What he's, he's, not man- he's not managing. Soldier. He's not managing and he'll be sacked by Christmas. So in reality, this is the problem, Ray. When when I say what does success look like, success looks is mounting a successful campaign to compete for the title. I don't mm. I, I never expect us to win, but I, the way we I, I'm sorry, I would have expected us to win had Van Dyke stayed fit, right? I would have expected us to win had Allison stayed fit. And it's not just a Van Dyke thing, it's an Allison thing as well. Right? Like you can't take the two of them out and, and not have an impact. So for me, that's why I just think it's it's potentially the bizarrest league. So success for me means that we solidify our position in the top two in the league, regardless of what of all the madness that goes on. We focus on that and we potentially deliver a title on, on less than eighty five points, which would be the first time it's happened since since Leicester was there. Mm. Is that good enough? Who knows? Mm. If, if 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 that happens, who knows? But to me, that's where we should be aiming. That's what our focus should be on. And to be fair, I hope at the next Merseyside derby, I would like somebody to. I, I, I know people are meant to say it, but I hope Pickford gets snapped in half. I hope mm-hmm. I, I, if somebody goes in and two foots him and smashes his leg in half. I won't. I'd be like the way the way the Everton fans have reacted to Van Dyke and, and the things. I don't care. I honestly don't care. I'd, I'd be like, I prefer to see Richarlison. See him. I'd fucking do him myself. That's a really, the, the, Pickford's an idiot. Yeah, I'd, I'd more feel sorry for him. It was reckless, he's, and, no, it, and he's, he's dumb, in, and he's dumb, he's in, and he's dumb. Ray, he's he's incompetent. He's incompetent. He, he's not at the level. Whereas Richarlison, you see him trying to make a name for himself by doing somebody. Mm. I, mm. I'd love to give me ten minutes in a room with that cunt. I'd love to see him. He is he is a malicious bastard. Twenty three years of age, and he's gone. He's got two or three red cards for the same fucking thing. Oh yeah, Pick, Pickford has an time. excuse. He's a Pickford's a fucking idiot. Let's be honest with you. I don't know how mm. the fella. It has a professional contract with anyone. But see that Richardson, he's trying to be something that he isn't. And he could have done serious damage. The tackle on, on Thiago was far worse. Well, I'm not going to say it's worse. It was worse intent in, in terms of intention. Way I'd, worse intent, yeah. Do him himself. Yeah. Do him himself, yeah. that Richardson. Do time for him. It was, it was criminal. And he and he knew exactly. He knew the context. He knew if he was going to be for one minute. Well, late, late in the game, you know? he doesn't need yeah. time. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, yeah. I, I know. Cowardly. I know. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Ray, I know we're not meant to say that. Like we don't, want to, you're not meant to wish injury on somebody. But I'm sorry when when somebody goes out to do our do a player right and and sure does it with intent. Both McCarlison and Pickford don't really care. I want I, 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 like they deserve to get what they get. They deserve to come up and and that's exactly what happens to them and it serves them right. Like to be totally honest, that's where the emotion feeds. And if you think that our players aren't going to be really 
up for a battle in Anfield. Like that could be one where they're happy to lose if they can go out and just get get revenge. I'll tell you, Andy Robertson is sharpening his knives as we speak. Because that fella has one of the worst tempers I've seen since Steve McMahon. Yeah, he will go for somebody. And he's I think Philip, you're right. He's the one of those lads. Once it's two or three nil he'd just go through somebody. And I'd say he'd be Richardson. Because if I was him, I'd say, right, we get with two or three up at Anfield, I'll just go through this fella for a meal. See that Richardson? Uh, he could be done for two years and I wouldn't blink an eye. I can't stand I Don't think the bookies will even bother pricing up a red card at Anfield. There's absolutely Andy no Robertson. point. Andy no points. Nailed on. Um, I, I'd, I'd say I'd send I'd send Shakiri out in a man of arms gear from He Man and just have him go around <laughs> launching himself a fella's head forced. <laughs> <laughs> so look, we'll come back on the legs. we'll come back onto the league as a as a wide conversation a little while. But we'll we've sort of got into some of the incidents in the game and and um, Andy, we may as well let you sort of take the floor again. And you you've got a few things to say around VAR, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel I feel like it's a wrong topic now because the lads are all worked up. We want to smash heads in, and all that. And, you know. Uh, we start talking about far. The lads will be turning up uh, at Stocky Park and burning the Transavan out. Uh, no, I wanted to talk about the narrative around VAR. It, the, the conversation about VAR itself is boring, right? Let's face it. Uh, mm. Picking the bones out of VAR—that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the is the narrative around it. And what what pisses me off more than VAR, like I, I'm a supporter of VAR, right? I'll say that, but I expect it to be a little bit better this season. Mm. You know, it doesn't seem like there's much progress out to be made. But what annoys me more than that is the narrative around it. And that's pundits who are paid a lot of money. We're only, I'm always saying that we're only dickheads on a podcast that do this as a hobby. This guy, these guys are paid a lot of money to go away and research things. Um, and, and they've actually got researchers there to tell them what to say too. They, none of these guys are, are clever enough to uh, make these things up themselves. But it's, it baffles me that the confusion that I pundit and, and commentators add to the VAR thing. Why on earth were they still questioning where uh, the the line gets drawn. Why were they talking about armpits during pundits and commentary? What? Why? Why did it go to Klopp? And Klopp says he Klopp says he's a supporter of VAR. Um, you expect him to make the right decisions, but he's done ten interviews, and everybody everybody told him that was onside. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Got like going by the laws of the game and how VAR is done. And the new handball rule, which which defines the shoulder as down to your the end of your sleeve, that you so you can score a goal at the end of your sleeve. Why on earth there are people that are paid to know to understand this not informed? Why are they creating so much confusion on social media that it creates so much noise, right? That the people who are fully responsible for making the the, the uh, required changes in VAR to improve the game. It, it gets lost in the noise and the madness that they create because it, it they all come off as psychos and things like what happened to uh, Virgil with, with Pickford that should be the uh, that should dominate the headlines because yeah. it was a huge failure from the officials absolutely massive that they didn't go on and then review the red card that's a fuck up right it's yeah. a human error and it's a fuck up and it's it VAR shouldn't allow that these things to happen. 
But talking about the offside and being in complete denial that that's offside, look, lads, that was offside. Tough shit. You get them and you and you don't get them. You benefit one week and you don't benefit the other week. That's the first really massive costly one, right? It's it's a cost of two points basically. But the other one is kind of cost is not so much like a red card would have uh, changed anything for Virgil, but it's but it's caused an awful lot of anger and bitterness and people making a fucking complete uh, laugh at Virgil. It's sickening. We yeah. Well, we have VAR conversations. People need to, first of all, the commentators and pundits need to educate people and not be winding up the public and making them make loads of noise about things that, look, VAR has improved the game. It gets more decisions right than than before, okay? We're going to have these um, these mistakes, but there's absolutely no excuse for what happened uh, in, in the, the, the Pickford and um, Virgil clash that they didn't go on and look at it. But stop with the bullshit and stop like it's I don't know how you feel about it, but when you it's it's mad that your only reliable resource to to educate yourself and find out what's right and wrong with VARs to go on to Twitter and read your man Dale off ESPN. That's mm-hmm. uh, you know, even referees that are paid to be on BT, mm-hmm. they don't seem to be uh in tune with everything. Those people like commentators and pundits even saying that um Oh, maybe can't deal with the incident because one one decision was made. Fuck off, lads. Paid fucking money to do this. The, the problem the is, Andy, the, 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 the problem is that these are British mistakes and you got to look at a culture. <laughs> the British have a hit. No, it's, it's true. Sorry, I don't mean any disrespect, Ray. But the British, and you will know this from dealing with the British government, you know, as a scouser. What they do is somebody makes a big fuck up. And somebody has to be a scapegoat. Then you'll get a load of them circling their wagons. How people don't understand that if the British government can behave like that, that British sport wouldn't behave like that. It's just a circle of lies. Like everyone, it's all about protecting. First of all, the position was the incident wasn't reviewed. It was missed. Then it was all of a sudden it was reviewed, but we decided it wasn't a a, a red cardable offence. This is typical British, you know, what which position suits us. It's it's ingrained in them because they're allergic to accepting accountability. It goes back to Phil's original point as well about the whole virus situation. Nobody wants to be accountable for anything. So it's all about let's have a little circle of wagons until people and it and comfortably, if there's something that can distract the public or everybody else from from asking anyone to be accountable, we'll jump onto that. It's just a circle of of inaccountability and it's very Sorry. very typically british you know can, can i just jump a fucking in here right mm. they changed the rule that didn't need to be fucking changed okay it's that simple what rule can't, can't get fucking any ease in this if they don't change the handball they don't change the offside rule and they, sorry if they don't change the handball rule van dykes is a penalty and a red card okay mm. mm-hmm. Mane's goal oh, sorry henderson's goal stance this fucking yeah. stupidity of moving away from the shoulder point being here, right? Anything lower than here is your arm, right? That's for over a hundred fucking years, okay? A hundred fucking years, that was a hand fucking ball, right? All that there was a hand fucking ball. We have VAR, and for some fucking stupid brain dead stupidity reason, you decide that here now is no it's longer part of your point. arm. It's the cutoff point. What happens if your arms are massively long? 
Right, that means that you get an extra two foot on somebody else because it's longer than what than, than somebody else's arm. Take, Pickford, take Pickford. If Pickford was an outfield player, he'd have no advantage. He would have like <laughs> little hands up here waving around. His arm starts at his shoulders, right? I think we've seen an alternative example, Andy, of Mane's arms, didn't we, in the WhatsApp group, but we couldn't share it. <laughs> <laughs> but this 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 boils back to the key issue with the implementation of our right the way across this. Yeah, the rules, the laws don't make sense in certain points. And secondly, the arseholes in the box making the decisions are the same incompetent fuckwits who are on the pitches not making the decisions. It doesn't make mm-hmm. a difference what you do. You take Tico Mike Dean and stick him in front of a television screen, he's going mm-hmm. to make the same shit decisions he makes as he does on the pitch. On the pitch, right? Yeah. You take this David Cunt fella and you take him out of the, <laughs> out of the pitch and put him in the VAR. He fucks up. He got the Celso nearly was nearly killed in a match against Chelsea. He got dropped as uh, he got dropped as, as as whatever he is. Right? He comes back. I was going to say it. What? I was going to say it as a baby. Dropped his head. He's from Manchester. He's involved <laughs> in Manchester football. Right? This 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 stupidity is beyond belief when it comes to the PGMOL. They're such a sanctimonious bunch of bastards. They shouldn't be anywhere near a football match, right? They're incompetent, deeply incompetent, and it, it, this has to end. I will be actually, the club should be pressing to get rid of all the English referees and bring in foreign referees. I remember when there was... was professionals. Absolutely. The, what the, there was one of the, it was Italy... For the big matches, they got rid of the Italian referees completely and brought German officials in to ref the matches because that way there could be no bias, there could be no favoritism, mm. and there could be no mm. way to do it. That's a in great show, actually. Mm, in England, in England, there is clear bias on referees' behalf. There is clear bad refereeing decisions, and it's not just Liverpool. I want to get away. This is not a Liverpool thing. Mm. This incompetence, this gross incompetence, is literally across across the globe right when it comes to to, to, to the English football it's mm. massive gross incompetence so I just I don't know it's 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 not well, just a well, when, you, when you mix that when you mix that confidence with it with a, the avoidance of accountability it's just toxic for me I've no problem with people being incompetent referees have always been incompetent and they always will because the speed of the game but uh, it, it would be it would relax things a little if people came out and said listen that was a mistake you know, and yeah. and yeah, we will we, we put measures in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's the problem: is the arrogance. It's the I oh know. You know, it it happened because this this is the real. It's just a load of bollocks. Just yeah. put your hand. Up. Players it have just, to. It just you know, players have to. It just compounds the original blatant mistake to keep mm-hmm. making excuse layer on layer on layer of excuses. I mean, I'm, the I'm reality livid. is, I'm livid. I'm livid. I'm just the reality livid. is five. They had about. You know, Van Dyke was down there getting getting treatments. They had a good five, six minutes to 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 have a look through this. There was no rush, you know, there was no rush to get the play back underway because of what was going on with the with treating the injury. So why they couldn't have twigged it between them. Um and maybe the first angle, but but certainly that angle from behind the goal was just yeah. the most blatant angle of all, you know, of when, they, when, they tweaked, when they tweaked the offside within, you know, seconds. For me, yeah. uh, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Ray, about the offside as the, the letter of the law. But in order to see an offside there, you have to want to see an offside there. And mm-hmm. this is oh, my, my thing this about is the, David. This Cook. is the... You have to want is, to but see But this happens, 
Yeah, this happens far too much. There seems to be a rush to get to a, a, a freeze frame where they can then draw the fancy lines and just make it offside. You know, um, that's not that's not the case, lad. Seriously, uh, it, it does feel it does feel like that at times, though. Oh, no. a, but can I ask you a question? Why, do, why doesn't why doesn't Jerry mean why doesn't Jerry mean his right boot count? Why doesn't it count? Because Jerry mean his right boot is, is keeping everybody on side. It's not. It's not. For Manny's goal, it's the boot that it is. It is the boot. Can I just say it's the technology that picks the the nearest point uh, frame that when the ball leaves a player's foot, that's the first thing that happens. So the, the big complaint about, uh, it was one of my biggest complaints, actually. It looked like the ball, the the ball, ball had left. Yeah. But that's, that's the very first frame that they can um, isolate. They can isolate. And, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that it's inaccurate, actually. like These, these are milli-milliseconds. There's very little movement. Um, uh, Mane wasn't making a dash and run or anything like that. This was all cleared up as well by, by your man Dale. Um, it's it. There's there's very little wrong with the technology. In fact, uh, the Premier League have been trying to improve it by uh, asking FIFA to to change all these ratios that deals and to make it more close. And they were denied it. There's nothing wrong with it. It it works better in other countries. It is. It's the humans inside it. As soon as it, humans can get involved, Premier League referees do. Premier League referees have always done. English referees have always done. There's a culture there that they want to be part of the show. They want mm. to uh, have an influence on the outcome. They're not. They're not refereeing matches with the objectivity that other refs across the world are. That's why English refs don't get to the World Cup. Yeah, because they're not. They're they're not refing the game uh, games without uh, being objective. There's so much subjectivity in the. Um, in the My family. interpretation, you know. Yeah. This goes yeah. back to referees, not just the current referees. You're talking Mark Clattenburg, you're talking Howard Webb, you're talking referees before that. They've, been so many of them. This so culture many. is just inbuilt. Now they're sitting there moving lines around. Look, it's. It, I don't think they're trying to dictate it like uh, with slopey lines and all. Like they're bending, bending lines. I think was a Henderson said that. Uh, it was funny and all, but but it's. I mean that uh, that's the technology that the behind what we can't see is is tons and tons of grades and lines and uh, everything is angles and perspective and the technology does all of that every line is straight but do you think all I'm, say, all I'm saying Ray on this is that and, and it comes back to this right if you have incompetent people making decisions you get incompetent decisions right mm. like the, the offsides I can live with because they're applying what is the letter of the law. And when it comes to the only sort of movable thing is around where they fu- where they pu- put the point of the arm, saying that that's not a handball. And, and they've just made that more difficult for themselves. If they'd mm-hmm. left it at the shoulder, it becomes a much simpler decision. If that Straight was back forward. in last year's, Mane isn't offside based on the whole shoulder thing. If, that, mm-hmm. if the cutoff is back to the shoulder, he's not offside and that's a goal, right? Mm-hmm. But they've made this and that becomes, again, subjective. Once you've created subjectivity into this whole argument, that's when it goes wrong, right? So mm. if you even people talk about the offside rule to change the daylight, that's black and white. It's simple to do. It makes sense, right? But then it becomes how many millimeters of daylight are we talking about? So if you see a, a, a fraction of, of of a glimmer of daylight, that is therefore then offside. And it just shifts the argument. Correct. One inch, two inch, three. And this is the this is the this is the problem, with people. They're listening to assholes like uh, Andy Gray. Like mm-hmm. these dinosaurs are putting ideas in people's head. Andy Gray last year was like rubbishing that you use the armpit. 
what difference does it make if it's the armpit or the sleeve or a mm. nose or a, or a or whatever or a foot? It doesn't matter. You're still going to have the exact same arguments. And this noise that is gets created means that you can't address the real issues. And the real issue of the weekend was the fact that a player wasn't sent off for a reckless challenge mm. and a fucking season ender. Mm. And we're talking about fucking offside. Honest mm. to God. But that's what I'm saying. It suits it suits them to have a distraction. I'll tell you what else as well. And let's be honest. What Jordan Henderson said, whether it be in jest or not, normally speaking, he would be punished for that. Now, I guarantee you he won't. They won't punish no, him. Because he's that, not that this, this, no, again, they your man said him. that he was asked. They covered it up. They said he was asked that he think it was a red card decision. He said, no, it wasn't. And that's the end of it because they dealt with it on the pitch. I come back to it, right? If that, in my opinion, we've only seen it once this season, the referee has gone over and looked at a monitor on the pitch. Mm. Yeah. Oliver should have been yeah it seemed to be happening in the early weeks but they seem to have gone away from it completely again mm. now don't they it happened a few yeah, times they, in the but again in, it's in that's, the when weeks. you look at, when you have to look at a monitor you're, it's that thing again that bravado thing with referees you're admitting well I'm I'm not clear on the incident so I have to consult but, it's a Pete P- P- that's a very and I hate to say but it is a very English mindset thing it's even down to the referees if, that's, if, that's if, what if I'm the, getting at if the clubs were to come out and say we want independent referees to be murder, there'd be absolute murder in terms of why did they get independent referees? But you look yeah. at Ray, you look at in 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 the states in the in American football, the the actual practice before it goes back to a boot review by somebody in New York that's not even at the game. Right, the, the practice is that the referee will go over and look at the monitor himself and see if mm. he still wants to stay with the rule on the pitch. And if he can't mm. make his mind up, he can ask then yeah. New York. To, to make a ruling for him. And those yeah. those players go to a boot review, and if they're not quite sure, they go back to the referee and say, look, you have a look at it, and you make the call because you're on the pitch, so you've and got that's the, the issue. Now, if you look at the transcript, mm. and it, it appeared today, and the Spores game from, I think it was the year before last, do you remember the penalty on, who's that diving lad they have from Argentina? I can't remember. But anyway, Lovren, they were they were having a debate on the pitch, the referee and the, for the linesman, did Lovren get a touch? And in the end, he actually... Loses the plot, the referee says, oh, I'm giving the penalty. But you can see he sticks out his chest, oh, I'm just giving the penalty. Because, again, it's that whole bravado thing, I fucking know what I'm doing. It's the lack of, you know. Pete, in Australia, and I say it, it's not the first time I've yeah. seen it because we've seen this one yeah. before. In Australia, they you hear them, you can hear the conversation that's going on between the referee and the guy who's looking at the video stream, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I come back to this. Having this open transparency takes away this whole view that there's something weird going on in the booth. Because if your man is incompetent, if your man is incompetent and he makes a wrong decision, then it, he shouldn't get to do another game. He shouldn't be able to referee at the Premier League level because he's mm. not capable of doing it, and he's not capable of understanding the decisions that need to I be think made. He was referenced. He was referenced today tonight. Yeah, yeah which is crazy, tonight. really. And this is this is the typical English response. This is sorry, sorry again, Ray, but this is what they do in the UK. Sorry, not normally sorry. in in a, in a normal world, you know, he would be removed. But no, no, we can't be seen, you know, because then we're we're showing the world that we doubt ourselves and we doubt him. It's just all bollocks with them. It's the usual fucking. They've been doing it for centuries. They have to show everybody that they can't possibly be wrong, you know. And and, and it's it's just corruption at the. At, it's so corrupt. It's unbelievable. And well, it's not. Least, again, it's it, not just Liverpool. It, it's not Liverpool. It's everybody. It's yeah, but Ray, it's it's leading to that conspiracy theory mentality, which is there must be something else going on here, as yeah, opposed to cover up and all that. Like project, stuff, yeah. like is there a backlash because of uh, Project Kickstart? 
who knows? But, you know, Liverpool got a huge kick in the bottom. Big picture. You know, big picture, whatever they fucking call it. <laughs> you know, is it, it? But is it? Is it? Is it? You know, a lot of people thinking maybe it's a backlash. It's huge. It's not. It's like it's like when they do crimes and they look at the, they investigate crimes that there. It normally comes back to the simplest explanation, and the simplest explanation is that these guys aren't good at what they do. When it, <laughs> when it all boils down to them. if you can't, so if, Kevin, if, you can't hear, if you can't hear them, it it there's there's the there's it's a cover up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So Kieran's um, making the point right, that show. we should hear that that we should hear the 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 refs mic and assistant refs and the boo and Stockley to, Park. You know, it doesn't even like have Phil to is saying live. about Australia. Like Phil is saying about Australia. It doesn't. Sorry, Andy. You were saying it doesn't. It doesn't have to be live as long as they know there's going to be accountability to be later on because yeah. people are going to hear what they say the yeah. next day or the next week or just, whenever it is. Yeah. Just like just like you could uh, put a. Um, it's that protection order in and uh, produce any any piece of information that concerns you. They should be held accountable. The money that's involved. Look, football fans are stakeholders in that league. It's without football fans, there's there's no football. It's it's our money and our support that generates the cash for sponsors. We are as big a stakeholders as anyone, and we should have access to what's being said and how the game that we all pay to to watch is run. So I don't see how they I don't see how they can possibly get away with continuing on to have no accountability. Okay, there's probably some review board there that's there to regulate the referees, but no, put it out to the public. Um what what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Most of us go about our our daily jobs now and we're recording and watched. Why can't they? This is sport at an elite level. And we're and it's it's billions. Billions of pounds every every year. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I think in theory, if if the if these fellas were doing their jobs correctly, and you know, they should actually welcome, you know, these things being heard. Maybe not live, but maybe after the event, because maybe we we would have a a newfound respect for the job that they're trying to do. But clearly, they're not. They're, they're far more insecure than they should be to to allow us to be able to. So what anybody will be insecure about anybody will be insecure about incompetence. I mean, it's mm, just mm. You, there's not enough football people running football. It's that it all comes back to the same thing. There's just not enough actual people that have kicked the ball around or whatever running football. Just suits that don't know what they're doing. Corporates nonsense. Um, Owen Fleming there with I do like his comments. It's okay, Pete. We're, we're we're not English, we're Scouts, yeah. So um, I can I can let you off with it. Uh, no, Owen, a, Owen, a bit of xenophobia for the kids. <laughs> so Pete, we're going to come on to your subject now because I think we we could we could go on all night about uh, how VAR is being applied and 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 the so called expert pundits uh, how they're how they're taking their position on this stuff. But let's get into the defensive. Um, conundrum that we've now got um we've obviously got two very fragile 
players, or they'll be quite amazing actually if they made it, if they both made it through to say January time uh, unscathed. You can you can't really see it. We've got Fabinho, who we've seen in a defensive role, centre back role. Um, I think Andy mentioned it earlier. We've seen Henderson. We've seen Wijnaldum for a game there. Um, what's your what's your approach now? If 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 you had to navigate your way through to a potential uh, centre back signing in the Jan- January window. I think, to be honest with you, what we're looking for is a little bit of certainty and leadership back there. Um, obviously, there's a huge uh, VDV-shaped hole in the whole mess. And as I said earlier on, you can't have Adrian, you can't have uh, Joe Gomez, and you can't have uh, Joel Matip, who won't last, you know, two or three games on the trot in that, as I call it, triumvirate. Um, as long as Adrian is there, and it looks like he'll be there, certainly up until the City game, for me, you've got to have Fabinho in front of him just to give that little bit of um, assuredness, certainty, you know, better decision-making, a little bit better communication. If Joe is going to be the one to play, you know, if, if Matip doesn't make it. Because I, I think, you know, if you're going to play Fabinho and Matip, maybe you're, you're, you're missing a little bit of force, a little bit of strength, a little bit of energy. Um, but for me, I mean... Uh, you know the goal, our, our keeper, our number one, Allison can come back quick enough. I mean, yeah. I'm watching watching the back four, four, four as it is, and you can see the panic in every situation that Adrian is involved in. It, it came to a stage against Everton where Adrian was just stood on his line because I, I think maybe it's a combination of him being told don't come for anything because a couple of things he came for in the Aston Villa game. I mean, Phil is better placed. You know to comment on on goalkeepers than I am, but certainly he looked like he was chasing ghosts. You know, so you know he probably would have been instructed by the lads: stay where you are, only come if you're absolutely sure. And he's never absolutely sure of anything. So for me, Fabinho is a must, must, must to start centre back. We need to stop. Me- Don't get me wrong. I think if we hadn't have signed Thiago, if we hadn't have got that deal across the line, we'd be having a debate about this. But for me, it's not a debate. And I'm, 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 I get tired of you know, people's pride and people saying, oh, you know, you have to stick with this, you have to stick with You don't have to stick with anything. You don't stick with anything that doesn't work. I was mm. surprised, to be honest with you, that um, that Jurgen Klopp didn't try to bring in a goalkeeper on loan before the even the championship deadline came. So bad is Adrian. I can't think of any other club where the goalkeeper would have conceded seven goals under any circumstances and played the next game. I can't think of any other club where that would have happened. But you get yourself into a situation where I've made it, I gave this lad me word and I can't break his spirit. No, I'm sorry, you sit the lad down and you say you can't play in the next game under any circumstances. But that issue aside, um, for me, Fabinho plays. And my as much as I, I, I harangue him, my preferred partner for him is Joe Gomez, just for that little bit of pace and that little bit of physicality. Sorry, Phil, you were you were doing a me on it. <laughs> I was doing a wave because David Lennon asked Phil to 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 give him a wave, so it just proves he is real. <laughs> no, um, I mean no, nothing else. Go changed. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so for you, Fabinho uh, to be the mainstay up until yeah. up until potentially we're able to sign someone else. Yeah, I I'm not a fan of having Fabinho with Matip. I just. I don't know. I, we miss. We'd miss a bit of pace, a bit of energy, and Gomez being directed around the park. I mean, there was there was patches of games. Well, there were when Virgil Van Dijk plays. Gomez is a better player. I just think when he's led, he can be a, a decent player. Gomez. I mean, I know I, I'm famous for slating him, but 
it's not the case. He's young. He's he's a little bit naive, and he you know he has he has the odd ricket in him. But he, you know he, he he can do he can do a job there. But for me, you know, just Matip is not going to give you three games in a row. That's and we need in the in the in the run of games we're going to come come in. It's vital that we you know we get eight wins out of ten for me over the next the next while certainly to get us get us up and to, through the Christmas. But there's a lot of people talking about Liverpool signing another centre half and going three at the back. I don't see why we should have to change the system. I mean, look, if I said to I said to um, to to I think it was Phil earlier on. I'm not sure. Or Andy, I don't believe that if if Liverpool if this was the Arsenal side of the early nineties and Tony Adams was out, I think it would have more of an effect on them. Liverpool are such an a potent attacking threat with such an energetic midfield. It's not that we won't miss Virgil Van Dijk because he adds an awful lot to our attack as well. His final ball from every angle and from every distance is outstanding. We are going to miss that no matter who replaces him. But it's not like we're completely reliant on, you know, on on defending to get through games. Do you, do you understand me? For me, it's there's obviously there's more to us than, than that Arsenal team, but I just think I, I can't see Matip and uh, and Gomez being being the partnership. I can see Fabinho in there, and I hope that Klopp sees that as well. Uh, Andy, I'm not going to come to Phil because he's getting annoying now. Andy, um, <laughs> <laughs> can't you? I mean, can't you watch an NFL game to pass the time? Uh, Phil, before we bring you back on. Um, he got blocked, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Matip, Matip was um, was many people's sort of man of the match on um, on, on Saturday. Um, have you got a bit more faith in him than, than, than Pete obviously has got? Or, or would you just think, let's just kind of rotate him in and out because his injury record kind of proves that he's not going to last the run of games? Pump his legs full of drugs. That's what we used to do. Like everyone else. Um, yeah, we have to do everything we can. It can't have players going out now with uh, niggling injuries now. Um, they'll take a, You'll have to start taking risks on players. As well, someone said in the comments there, Billy the Kid, the way Klopp talked Billy the Kid up um, was was incredible. Like He talked about him, how, how ready he was and how uh, mature he was. You know, every season you you see a new hero emerge, and you see players, and you see things happen in football that you you, you couldn't have predicted. What's to stop Billy the Kid coming into that team? He would say he's seventeen, and and he well, got the run around against the fact that he's seventeen. He got the run around against Red Bull Salzburg in that friendly. He made their centre forward look like prime Ronaldo. For me, not yet. I, yeah. I understand this. when a lad emerges, and I mean that lad, Billy Cometo, has grown six inches or something over the last five months. I mean, he's he's supposed to be a physical phenomenon, but it's it's kind of Joe Gomez five years ago. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You bring, I mean, he comes in, gets minutes. Same with Vanderberg. That's I'm just uh, I'm just you know? look making the point that sometimes uh, the answers are found in uh, in, in unexpected yeah, ways. I remember uh, when Alden played centre back. No, was he even ever considered him playing centre back? If anything, he came into Liverpool and moved backwards, mm. and then he played centre back one day and he did a fine job. Yeah. Do you remember Mascherano went to Barcelona? Yeah, yeah. Mascherano went to Barcelona as a defensive midfielder, and the, and the size of him, tiny. 
he played uh, centre back for the rest of his career. The so, problem with Mascherano is when he came here to play for them, he uh, they they tried in midfield to be honest with you, and because he couldn't, Mascherano's second touch is a tackle, and in England you're a hero for that, but in Spain. People are like, listen, your second touch needs to be a very good pass, especially if you're playing in the mid- middle of midfield for Barcelona. So it became, OK, he's good at tackling. Let's play him at the back. He won't be that busy. You know, I've, I always I always had a problem with Mascherano, even when he played for us. I always thought, you know, it was a bit of the Steve McMahon from the 80s, get under people. But if you're playing for Liverpool with 65% possession, you shouldn't be in the tackle all that often. You should be... Yeah, like a Shabby Alonso, for example, after Mascherano, you should be pinging it around and you know enjoying possession. You shouldn't be spending half your career on your arse. Mascherano wasn't for me. Mm. Reese Williams. I mean, Reese Williams. Does he potentially? I mean, do we get to see him on the bench uh, more more so ahead of of Billy the Kid? Who knows? Who knows? Do, Look, it, do it, I get to talk? <laughs> no. If you behave yourself, <laughs> you were still on. I was checking the score. For, I was checking the NFL score for you as well. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, you know, there's there's other ways of going about it as well. I'm never I'm never a big advocate of uh, like over talking uh, formations, but I mean, you can make a little change of formation and put an extra player in beside uh, our deepest midfielder. Have a defensive uh, screen. Uh, limit the chances that are going to. Uh, create folk ups for a back four, protect players that aren't used to playing there. You know, the club will find a way. Don't worry about it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be as bad as you. It's not gonna be as bad as you think. Yeah. Phil, listen, I'm gonna. Phil, I'm gonna ask you one additional question in relation to this: selling Lovren uh, in the window and not getting a replacement. How bad was that in hindsight? <laughs> <laughs> but this is a perfect question for Phil. <laughs> How bad? No, Ray. We took a gamble. There's clearly a plan. They generally when they have, when they've created a, a clear gap in the squad, they have somebody identified, and they weren't able to get them in that window, right? So to let Lovren go and not someone centre back to me says that they have somebody lined up to come in next summer. They had no mm-hmm. plans on bringing somebody in in winter as a centre back, right? So, and they were prepared to go with the tree and use Fabinho in an emergency circumstance. Um. The idea of playing Fabinho, Fabinho as a centre-back for prolonged parts of the season scares me. He's done well to drop in in an emergency situation. But we could see, even in the League Cup games he played in, once once Van Dijk went off, it was madness that was going on in terms of the back. We conceded about 100 goals to some League 15 team at one stage, right? Well, uh, Reese Williams looks to be a decent player. Cometio yeah, looked... Baby he, yeah, he did look like baby VVD, actually, to be fair. Yeah. And and Comercio looked great in preseason. But look, lads, the problem you have with, with throwing a youngster in it, name him name the number of under eighteen of under twenty year old centre backs playing in top level teams across the globe. It rarely happens. Only it rarely ever happens. like Rio Ferdinand, yeah. Varan at Real Madrid because of a because of a an injury crisis, but you look across, yeah. normally when they bring somebody in, they bring guys in that has that experience and the know-how and the positional sense to be where it was. Um, I don't see, I don't see, like, to, to me, I think we, due to, due to Matip's injury-prone nature, due to the fact Fabinho does pick up knocks here and there, 
right? He's not always available. He has missed four or five weeks of the go as well. And we've had to cover that with Milner and, and Wijnaldum and, and Henderson last year. I think one of these two kids, one of these kids will get a game. I think uh, Williams or Comedia will play a few games for us this season. And then we will have to see how the progression is in the blood and thunder of the Premier League. Because the one thing that we're going to be weak on, um, unless Alisson just starts coming for absolutely everything. The, the one thing that we're going to struggle on, under, the teams are going to play the same way they played before Van Dijk arrived at this team, and that is to put us under pressure from the high ball. You look at Everton's goals, you look at Calvert-Lewin, those goals that stopped being scored against us with Van Dijk. In fact, the recent goals that were being scored against us were pullbacks, and they were all along the deck. People don't score goals in the air against us, right? Mm. So, this suddenly is there when he's not there because his presence is so big. So we need somebody who is a powerful, dominant aerial centre-back to step up from the group that we have to get us through to, to, to January. And then when we saw it, it depends on whether the guy is available. Are they involved in Europe? We know what happens, but like at the end of the day, we need to have somebody if 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 Van Dyke is going to be out until next summer or the start of the next season or whatever it is or September next year because they they want to bring him back I don't believe he's going to be impacted ma- massively by the injury it will be a long mm. rehab but I think he'll be absolutely fine once he comes back I think any talk about mm. that is ridiculous right but you don't uh, again I think it's going to be someone that gets a run and does well, maybe gets five, six games and then has a drop off. And that just allows us to get Matt up into a run of form or Matt up into five or six games free of injury. And then you're trying to cover it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely nervous about how we do it. It's, I, do, you not think, do, you not think, do you not think, Phil, though, with Thiago, Thiago being signed, the way he plays kind of protects, and I think Ray, no, Andy made the point earlier on, he protects that back four in a different way. You know, I mean, he's one of the most comfortable players I've ever seen in possession ever. He just, can he, he just doesn't, he, doesn't give the ball away. Can he jump eight foot in the air? No, but maybe he negates the fact that you have to do it. But he just maintain it. I've never, I haven't seen anyone in years keep the ball as well as he does. P, P. Hmm. All the teams used to do against us was whack the ball at our two centre backs, right? And those two centre backs, but those two centre backs were Gomez and Matt at the time. And we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything like we have now in possession. To be at that stage, that stage we were turning the ball over constantly, constantly. For me, I I look at uh, if Thiago can stay fit. You know, sixty percent possession becomes seventy-five, eighty percent possession. Mm. You're going to concede. You're right. You're going to concede the odd physical goal. You're not. You're not going to get seventy-five, eighty percent possession. I don't care what you say. You're not going to get it right. And Thiago, Thiago has managed to break thirty games in a season only twice in the last yeah, eight years. Problem. That's why I said if he stays fit, it would be a miracle. And teams seem to be targeting them already. But my God, in possession. If so I was guessing, I'd say, I'd say Upper Meccano from Leipzig looks like a likely yeah. type of player we'd buy because of the 40 million bio clause that's, in a, that's it's a available. Gimme. It's a gimme. That, it's that a seems gimme. to be the type of player that we'd go out and sign. And it's the type of deal because it's not 50, it's not 60, it's not 70 million. There's a bio clause in place and he has the right profile. He's what, 23, 24, coming into that age group where uh, FSG would see an upside to his value that if they get five or six years out of him, he's still only going to be 27, 28 and potentially like a lover and you can still sell him on for a 9, 10, 15 million fee, which then more or less gives them a profit on, from, from a bookkeeping perspective. Yeah, 100%. I, guess, I think I he's the one. Someone, some, you know, someone mentioned it in the chat a bit earlier. You know, when when Klein kind of broke down injury-wise, we had 
we had the gift of Trent coming into the side. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to have the gift of someone like that being able to step forward. And Cent- it is going to Centre back is gonna, massively different as as a position yeah. to to a fullback. Yeah, it's going to have to be uh, a problem that's solved in the window, um, and we'll have to just, I guess. It, the frustrating thing, obviously, is this happens in the very first game after the window closes. That's the absolute irony. It's the worst case scenario. Um, you couldn't have you couldn't have predicted it any worse. And for the and for our rivals, aside from the, the 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 human side, which is just disgusting to be thankful of an injury to a player as bad as that. Um, for, does, for me, for me, right, and I, was, I just want to, and I just just want to mention the lads are saying that that Open Meccano deal is only available next summer. It's unlikely they're saying. I, I would I would offer them um, twenty five million and Kaysa to get up on McCann way back in January. There's, 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 no, there's no point in keeping Kaysa because the fella, like if it's COVID, if it's an injury, if it's sleeping sickness, mm. if it's something, he's, he's he can't get a run of five games together. Sure boy, like, uh, but uh, he's just that type of player. Sometimes it's, it's a bit like Lalana, where Lalana couldn't stay fit for, for five, 10 games in the season. So I, I think like, given that we've, we've got a lot of midfielders, if you're going to lose a player, lose him out of midfield and get a centre-back in, and that changes your your profile of your team for the rest of the season. And I, I know people will be like, let's be honest about it. We need a player there for 35 games a season, not a fella there for three and a half games a season. You know what I mean? Yeah, unfortunately, Naby Lad is starting to look more and more like a flop every week that passes. And we've had so many false dawns about the fella. I think... Um, the patience. Oh, don't disrespect Nabi Keita from Osawaya but Vankerton. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. It's like it's it's great. All you have to do is say that's Sell a Keita. You mention his name happens. and it's watch what happens. Yeah, but there are Liverpool fans there are Liverpool fans that love Paul Pogba as well, for fuck's sake. This doesn't mean anything. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, okay. but I mean as oh, hail Nabi Keita. <laughs> yeah, but as as uh, there's a comment there that's just come through, you know, um, from Free World, Kate has been a flop. No shame in admitting that. I mean, not every transfer is always going to work out. At the end of the day, that's just the reality of it. Um, Phil's I, been I, on this, been banging this drum for a long time about the success rate on transfers. You can't have a hundred percent success rate. No, and and the other thing, I don't, I don't, I don't class Kate as a flop. For me, Kate just isn't. Um, robust enough for this squad, yeah. and that's, that's what he plays. Oh, he's been smashing when he's played. He's been, he's been, but that's 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 not even half the battle. You know, his biggest battle is getting on the pitch consistently yeah. and staying fit. So, look, we, we 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 we'll just go into this last bit now. Then we've we've talked about you know the drop off and everything. And for me, this league now is absolutely wide open. If you look at the league. From when uh, Leicester won the table back in whenever it was twenty, what was it, twenty fourteen, something like that, twenty fifteen. Um, they won the league uh, on eighty one points. Um, the next best was seventy one points. So in theory, they could have won that league on, you know, low seventies. To me, you know, what we're seeing now, we're seeing teams. You know, with the with the most amounts of points uh, above ourselves, who are never they're never going to stay there much longer than maybe another half a dozen games. We've seen what Everton, you know, were really made of um, at the weekend, and they're going to yeah. they're, they're going to fall away. 
they're going to fall away, especially when they get a run of difficult games. Um, you know, Villa. You know, I'm sure they'll improve on last season, but they're not going to. They're not going to stay up there. It'll come down to the traditionals, but everyone out there is has got so many weaknesses. We we seen we seen Chelsea throwing you know throwing three points away, Tottenham throwing three points away. United were on course to drop more points until they managed to score a flurry of goals. And, and frankly, Newcastle should be ashamed of themselves only having an own goal to show for, you know, playing playing that crowd. Two minutes, you know, gifted the lead after two minutes and they couldn't they couldn't get the job done. And, um, you know, Man City have, have, have not really, you know, set the world alight. You know, just a kind of a, a workmanlike win. I think a lot of teams now don't fear them the way they used to fear them. Um, you know, the false dawn of Leicester's been completely um, blown away by two um, consecutive home defeats. I mean, this league now, for me, um, can be won on as lower points as it was for Leicester, if not if not lower. Things are just going to... I think you're just going to see strange results after strange results. Andy, I'll come to you first. What's your feeling now on the league in terms of how winnable it is? And, and, you know, you even see it reflected in the bookies' odds. You know, teams like Everton and Spurs, they're not taking any chances with, with fancy odds anymore. Yeah, look, until um, until a Virgil injury, I think a lot of fans would have been very confident, already confident of us uh, retaining the title. There would have been a lot of fans that would have believed we'd we'd still get 90, 95 points. And looking at City there, <clears throat> there you have City absolutely hopped off by Leicester. And then you have Villa who beat Leicester. And then Villa who beat us so heavily. I mean, it's it's such a weird... We're going to play City in a few weeks. What happens there? Like, it's such a weird cycle of, of teams doing these things with each other. Um, people are starting to talk about Everton as champions, Villa as champions. Um, Spurs uh, uh, in one minute of a game, and then ten minutes later, Spurs are you know, like that's how that's how uh, reactionary uh, hot hot takes of football are. Any team can win five games in a row. That's what Villa have done. They've won five games in a row. Any team can do that across the course of a season. Um, this is not that the start of the season is enough for sample size to start saying that you're you're going to win a title. Villa done nothing last year. They dodge relegation. Villa won't win the league. Um, Leicester won't win the league. Spurs won't win the league. Um, the only teams that 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 I personally think can win the league are, are ourselves and City. And the thing about yeah, what, what you have to do is just get away from the pack. Just start winning games ourselves and let that hope fade away for the likes of Villa uh, and and Leicester and Everton. Um, because at the moment. There's probably start a bit of belief is starting to set in, and, and that's what you don't want. You want with with the amount of injury, well, with Cla- with um mm. with Virgil injury injured and the amount of games they have to play, you want to have to clap to have the freedom to rotate and to navigate his way our way through the season, have a bit of joy in Europe, and have a bit of joy domestically. The last thing you want is us to be uh, trying to make up ground between now and Christmas. Needs just mm. win a few games, get a bit of get our head in the way. It was looking like it for a while onto the Villa game, but build up ahead of steam. And I think we can in ten games, twelve games, we can start talking about ourselves being champions again. It's just there's an initial shock that comes with with losing um a player like Virgil. And I think we're still uh favourites. I think 
were far better than uh, everybody in the, in the league. It's C- City are, are the only ones who can raise the standard. So for me, it's um, it's it's just between us and City again. Like, just don't don't be don't get so engrossed in what's happening. Uh, five games into the season, it is a mad season. It's going to be loads of goals. Well, Liverpool will steady the ship. City will steady the ship. Like the quality is going to shine through. There's a lot. It's a it's a long season, and and it's the quality that will 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 see the champions through. Phil, um, fans being absent from stadiums obviously playing some kind of a factor here. It's unlikely that we'll see fans based on how the UK is faring at the moment. That we're going to see fans in stadiums this season. Um, do you see all these freak results just being commonplace now? Yeah, it's, it's very hard. I know this 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 isn't going to go down well, but. It, Outside of Liverpool matches, and even at that, it's I've I, I little to no interest in, in the Premier League. Honestly, I, I look less, at it. Less so than previous seasons, yeah, far less so than previous seasons. Would you say, Ray? I just, it, I just don't. I just, like there's nothing. There's nothing attractive to it. Like I don't want to watch United game anyway, ever. Right. So mm-hmm. like, unless we're playing against them, but with no fans there, there's nothing. It's empty. You, like if you put on Sky, you have to listen to that. Tyler thing doing a thing, right? You you look at the games and it's it's just completely alien. I'm sorry, but this whole thing has just taken away so much fun in life. This whole mm. pandemic has taken away so much fun in life, and mm. the fact that governments can't put in cogent plans to where we should be at this stage in time is just an absolute crime. They should be sued. They should be sued repeatedly by big businesses and taken down because what they've done is a dereliction of duty to the whole, to, to every, to nearly every country that's out there. With the exception, I go back with the exception of the likes of Germany and Denmark who have, have literally, and then you look at America where they just don't care and they put yeah. like 20,000 people into a stadium. But when you, when you turn on a sport and you see, you see um, fans in the stadium and you can hear a real crowd again and you're going, Jesus, it's just such a better spectacle. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and I know some of the lads are bringing up the fact that I want the European Super League. Yeah, but like, I don't want the European Super League if it's going to be just empty stands. Like, it's not. It's nothing. It's it's not football. Yeah, uh, and and there's um, Kev O'Sullivan was saying that essentially nearly half the games are being won by away teams now. I mean, the whole home yeah. advantage, just the it's whole home advantage gone completely hasn't it Pete I mean it's uh, yeah. you know it's it, it, it it's just turned the game some completely around um, right, right I'll give an example right and, and some have mentioned it here the reason why everything is doing so well is because their fans aren't in the stadium the yeah, reason why you know you're able to get on that run last year and come back from games they were losing in is because their fans weren't in the stadium Right. The reason why we started dropping points in games against the likes of Burnley and stuff was because our fans weren't in the, in the stadium there is an element that when, particularly with top teams that are winning games religiously and going on these great runs, some of that is drawn from the crowd. So that even when they're losing 1-0 with 10 minutes to go, the crowd is there and it just you just get this sense. And in the stadium, you can feel that the fans are just waiting for that moment to happen because the moment always arrives. And yeah. that's what we had started to experience yeah. in there. Yeah. Now you look at it and you just don't know. And even even at that, even at that, you, you look at it. Does he mean Phil? <laughs> 
<laughs> of, of, judge. of all of us, um, president of all of us, global citizen leader. I get that on your LinkedIn profile, Phil. I'm gonna grab my cash back, the one that just goes down here, and we can all get get on board, right? But 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 genuinely, I just think I just think it, it as a product, as something to watch on the television. There's, mm. there's just there's so many better things to watch than watching a football mm. match that doesn't involve your team. Mm. And I, and that's because there's no fans there. There's there's no atmosphere. There's no there isn't that 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 sort of sense of a game, the ebb and flow that sits in a game. When it when it when a team that's losing starts getting on a on a on on a bit of possession and a bit of threat to the losing team, there just has nothing in it. And even mm-hmm. to the away fans, like why would you ever watch a Crystal Palace match? The only reason you'd ever watch a Crystal Palace match is because their fans are mad and they sing nonstop throughout the game, even if they're losing or winning or whatever, right? Otherwise, you're never going to work. I, I saw people giving out about the fifteen pound thing to watch a match. Like who in their right mind would even the fans of Sheffield United? Why would they even pay fifteen quid? Like I pay fifteen quid not to watch a Sheffield United match. Like that's what we're talking about here. Mm, that's true. <laughs> anybody that thought anybody that thought that it's the, free in Ireland. the atmosphere at Anfield in particular was was a myth or that uh, that you know the players aren't lifted by by you know by the crowd at Anfield. It's def- that that idea has definitely been put to bed. It's a feels right. It's a huge miss. It's a huge miss. You know, the twelfth yeah. man in the whole experience, you know, it's it's a huge miss. I think that we're gonna um and it'll probably bring it all um properly home, I suppose, and in, in, in into reality yeah. is the fact that we're gonna encounter for the first time very soon a, a home game, a European home game, uh, you know, where the atmosphere should have been electric, uh, a European night at Anfield in in the next few weeks. And I think that's when it will really hit home that this thing is the biggest shit show that's affecting football right now. You can talk about VAR all you like, you can talk about injuries, you can talk about whatever, but ultimately with, with no fans in the stadiums, this is just got so soulless it's it's it, i mean i'm a fair diehard when it comes to watching fairly meaningless games like burnley and sheffield united but even i'm struggling to turn the tv on and watch these now you know and if i do generally i'll last about five or ten minutes and then i'm it's to awful. myself what am i doing watching this garbage you know i need to be doing better things you know even washing dishes do you know what I mean? Like it's it's got to that point. It's got it's literally got to that point. Um, so look, we will look. We didn't mean to to uh, finish this on a on a on a on a low point after Andy got us off to such a big high. Um, so I'm going to do a quick round robin of um, of predictions, Ajax predictions uh, for Wednesday night. Andy, big. Do you expect a big response? Yeah, I, I do. Um it's it's that thing in football, the bounce, um you know, the, the team talk has already happened. And mm. yeah, I I think we get it. I think we get it. we get a we get a performance and we come away with a win. Two two one. Two one. Um Phil prediction for where will you be watching on Wednesday, Phil? I didn't even know we had a game on Wednesday. I'm totally honest about this. Is this is who are we playing? Ajax. Okay. Um, <laughs> is that we, a way we, we talked? We talked about this. Yeah. No, Andy. Genuinely, I, I, I had no idea we were playing this Wednesday. So it's, it's you're, a getting way. Too, you're getting too caught up in the pandemic, Phil. Uh, there's there's only there's only so many things to keep us going. The new lockdown 
measures in Ireland that are closing the golf clubs. Like I should be, I should be like you. I don't know what I'm going to do, but all we have now is football. <laughs> Literally, I'm 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 worried um, because Ajax have a very strong attack and so. But look, I, if, we should win it. We've got enough quality. Yeah. We've got enough class all over the pitch to win it. If we don't win it, who knows? Who knows? Like who knows? Do you know what I mean? But, it, it, but it'll be a high score in affair because we, we're incapable of defending with Adrian and goals. So we're going to have to score maybe four goals. Agreed. To, to, win, to win this, right? So, um, predict- I I think we if, if we're going to win it, it's going to be um, seven five. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Firmino's not scoring for, for like the only, the only score when he goes off because he's shit. <laughs> Your bar's next week. Oh Jesus! Neil Owen, fill out Neil Owen. All is forgiven, Neil Owen. Neil, I wanted to talk about shoes tonight or some jackets. <laughs> so he was he was told to, to take another week to think about his topic. Seven five is like is a great game, Andy. You love that. You will twelve goals. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose we should, uh, we shouldn't rule out anything these days. Uh, Pete, your prediction? No, I'm ruling out seven five. I'm gonna say three uh, one Liverpool with Ajax to score force. People forget Ajax every season are a young team. Now I know they've the best academy in Europe, nearly. But uh, every season they lose every summer they lose three or four key players. Um they and they don't have a plan B. They play the same honest way and they'll come at us um and they'll score forced because Adrian is useless as Phil says, but we will score. Three, maybe four goals. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go safe. Three, one Liverpool. I didn't say. Liverpool. I didn't say Adrian was useless. By the way, I just. I think he is. I, I'm saying. <laughs> you, you can say, I, I just. I just think his confidence is completely shattered. Yeah, he needs yeah. to you know. He needs to keep his head down as well. I, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm sick of talking too much. Stop tweeting. Stop tweeting, please, Adrian. Like another government Delete your account. broadcast. Goramaha, Goramaha, good Adrian. Please stop it at a tweet. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, he's, like, he's like a lottery winner, to be fair. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, I know Phil, Phil had this conversation a few weeks ago that this is what constitutes a number two. Someone that can stand there, the gloves fit, and can pull off the occasional save. But my Jesus. Yeah. My Jesus. Well, Dan, Dan Jay's predicting Ajax 2, Liverpool 3. Um, Salah, Firmino and Trent I'll go one better I think we'll win the game 4-2 I think it will be um, end-to-end I think there'll be a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of goals and uh, I don't think that well certainly whilst we've still got Adrian in goal I don't think there'll be many games that go past that we don't concede at least two goals uh, based on what (laughs) we've seen so far Adrian Anukt now be a Twitter act (laughs) (laughs) right so we will sign off um two more games uh for us to look forward to or or not depending on where your mindset is at the moment but uh hopefully we can uh, put things right against Ajax on wednesday and then into the league game at the weekend so we'll be back next monday four more topics four more mugs Four more lockdown. Uh, four more lockdown um, uh, nightmare scenarios for us to go through. So um, over and out until next week.
So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.